If you only have one shot, you go get more bullets. I mean, you can get your mom to make spaghetti, but you can't find more bullets in a neighborhood like that. Last week got me feeling that if something's gonna happen, it needs to happen now. Feeling. Unless that something is throwing up spaghetti. Your mom's spaghetti. You choke on words and you throw up spaghetti? You just, you don't do that. Another thing that you don't do is ask people, once you're an adult, do you want to play with me? I was 18 or 19 at this point, but everyone there knew me and liked me and called me kid, and this was the first restaurant that I'd worked at, and I was cool with everyone, and I was hanging out with the cooks in the past because it was a slow day. One of them was kind of quiet and kind of grumpy. The other was a little more silly, but I think he was drunk. And I asked him, you guys want to come over and play? And they both gave me the same look immediately. Followed by what's probably an appropriate amount of silence for being asked that question. I don't even remember what they said after that because that answered my question incredibly clearly. So I'm not going to ask you guys if you want to play with me. But I would like to once again remind and extend an invitation to interact with me, with the podcast, in any way that you may like. And I'd also like to offer some incentives for doing so. For example, Holocaust jokes. Yes, Holocaust jokes. Holla! You know there were jokes during the Holocaust that were fucking hilarious on both sides. I bet the funniest were the Jews. I bet sometimes the Jews were even so funny that even the Nazis thought they were funny, even though they were Jews. Think about all the time in school we spend talking about, reading about, and watching documentaries about the Holocaust. Think about all the movies that you've probably seen about it, all the stories that you've heard, all the people that deny it even. And you don't even know one good Holocaust joke that actually came from the Holocaust. Not like a modern joke talking about the Holocaust. After we finish laughing and bonding over the hilarious, exclusive Holocaust jokes, then we can have imagination duels. Or if you prefer, I can be your imagination architect or imagination accomplice, even. Whatever you want to call it, I want to enhance and engage your imagination through experience. For example, there are these two scenarios from my childhood the Griffin and the grenade. One day, my dad brought home this really cool griffin statue. Probably some Third Reich shit. Before that, I didn't even know what a griffin was, but it had an eagle head, a lion's body, and eagle wings that were proudly perched behind it, the way they are in all those eagle sculptures. It was really heavy for its size. I remember the weight, and I remember the smell, and I remember how the metal felt. And the way that it looked, that it looked like worn and tarnished. I think it must have been brass. And it sat on this stone base that was also heavy. And it had just one screw from the statue down through the base with the washer to secure it on the bottom. So sometimes it would get a little bit loose and it could kind of move around 
on that stone base. My dad told us that it was a guardian, that at night it would come to life, it would grow, and it would go patrol the perimeter and keep us safe while we slept. He even convinced us that it was loose on the base because it moved and that it had changed one of its front paws were raised, and he had convinced us that it had switched paws. Of course, as kids, none of us would have paid attention to which one was raised initially or remembered or would have thought to question or contradict our father. Sometimes it's just nice to believe. And sometimes it's apophenia, the tendency to perceive a connection or meaningful pattern between unrelated or random things, such as objects or ideas. Like the griffin, my dad also brought home the grenade and showed it to us, showed us that it was indeed a real grenade, that it was heavy, that it was made of metal, that it had the handle and the pin. He explained how it worked, how you held down the handle, you pulled out the pin, and five seconds after you let go of the handle, it explodes. All those little divots and grooves in it, blasting apart into shrapnel that would tear through people. And then he pulled the pin out. And he told us that he was going to let go of the handle. Our house and everything in it was going to blow up. And we were begging and pleading more and more as he would take his hand off for a couple of seconds in between. Until he finally showed us that there was a hole in the bottom and nothing inside that could actually make it explode. We weren't lucky enough to have Dave Chappelle come out and tell us we got zapped or to have a video of it to send in to Bob Saget. I do see the humor in it now. I think it would have been a lot funnier if we had figured out how to get some gunpowder, either from my dad's bullets, which were around the house and accessible, or from some old firecrackers or something. And if we ended up filling it, that would have been real funny. Then we could have seen how real the griffin was also, possibly. Man, it must be really fun to lie to children. I mean, based on the frequency that I see it happening. Especially your own kids. But to be fair, I have always had this, like, special charm where my unhappiness often results in entertainment for those around me. Seems fitting and explains a lot, doesn't it? Which brings us to our next incentive. The hit new game show exclusively on the Tunanishu podcast, You're Going to Heaven. Yeah, as long as you win. Those who don't have a special place in hell. And I have so many of those, I'm looking to capitalize on my real estate. Once I get down there, I'm going to start identifying as a snowball just to defy that phrase about a snowball's chance in hell. I'm going to be a big old fat snowball that's going to have a really good chance in hell. I'm going to be really wet. be a really wet snowball. It's going to make all my special places in hell really wet until they get moist. I hope that I just keep ruining words and phrases until people finally decide to make better language and ways of communicating or just shut the fuck up. And for everyone else, it's cool. You can pre-pray. I pre-prayed. That's right. I pre-prayed. For all those moments when you don't want to pray, when you need prayer, just pre-pray. Whoa, 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 you can't eat until we've said grace. It's okay, I pre-prayed, pre-prayed. Hey, are you gonna go to church today? 
No, I pre-prayed. Pre-prayed. Does not include batteries, spaghetti, Holocaust jokes, or imagination. Side effects include the Jews. Okay. So now you got some more shots, but is your mom making spaghetti tonight? I don't have plans for dinner yet. Can I be real for a minute? Even though I'm not real people, I'm filled with hay and rats, dead rats. Well, some of them are dead intermittently, sometimes living ones spend some time in there too. But I want to take this time now, before we get too far into this new year, to acknowledge what happened last year. There were a lot of people that died, a lot more than what's already a lot, and then a lot on that a lot. And some of them died really easily and really needlessly. And so for all the people out there that are still alive, and that wanted to die, there's still going to be plenty of opportunities for you to do that this year. But before you do, wouldn't it be cool to immortalize yourself on the Tunana Shoe podcast? Or to have me write and belt out some poetic obituary for you once you do? I mean, more than likely I'm going to be cooking for you or having you try stuff that I have cooked, all of which is pretty fucking delicious. Not as delicious as Holocaust jokes are hilarious, but close. And I have at least a couple other really good podcast ideas that I've been sitting on I don't want to share just yet because one of them I think Doug Stanhope would be perfect for. I also have some possible business ventures culminating and looming. Not to mention how only after my second attempt I was able to craft some incredible artisanal perfection of sourdough. I had rice flour so it didn't stick to my towel, and not sticking to my towel, I was able to cut it properly. In cutting it properly, I was able to release the steam properly. In releasing the steam properly, I was able to get the proper oven spring. In getting the proper oven spring, it made my crumb better, it made my texture better, it made my flavor better, and it made the look so much better. It billowed up all big and beautiful. I was so happy and so proud when I uncovered it, and then I had to let it sit and cook, get all caramelized more, and then I had to let it just sit there for 30 whole minutes after all that. Just let it sit there to finish cooking, curing, make it cuttable. And then we ate the fuck out of it. We killed like half the loaf the first night, and every piece I had after that, I was just like, fuck. And that's it. That's all the reasons or incentives I have to offer on why you should interact with or in some way be a part of the Tunanishu podcast. But while we're still on the subject of invitations, I do have another announcement. For everyone listening, I would like to formally not invite you to my wedding. I am not getting married, and I am not having a wedding. So I would like you to not come to the wedding that I am not having. <sighs> Although, someday, I really do want to walk down the aisle as the flower boy, just casually sprinkling handfuls of flour into the crowd. What? What? Is this a wedding for bread? Albert, why is it every loaf of bread has a hole in it? I'm not afraid to ask the real questions. Like, Tom's, you know, the antacids? They have grooves on the side of the bottle for fingers. How long and how much traction do you need while holding a bottle of Tums? 
You know what we need right now? No, goddammit, not again. No, I don't know what we need, other than to stop being asked that, or told that, or thinking that about one another. If I am you, and you are me, then who is she, and what is he? You, me, us, but they aren't we. We are not them. You're you. I'm me. She now him. He what's us we. The them are they, and thou are thee. Schwim schwam ski bleep blurp, rompering gloop. I went to the doctor, and they said, The doctor can't see you. I'm invisible. I'm invisible! Man, whoever this chump was that made this kill two birds with one stone seem like it was a big deal in this, like, quotable lasting line. Dude was dumb, wrong, and insanely inefficient. Do you know how many birds I can kill with a stone? If I'm reusing the same stone, what if you had one shot, one opportunity? If it has to be in one go, you can push a boulder onto an entire flock of birds or a rock avalanche or trap them in a cave where they all die. Two birds with one stone, but millions of people with that one stupid idea. That's the world that we're living in now, though. No matter what the idea or action is, there's an audience. You could do the most annoying thing that... The most amount of people hate, and not only would you have a fan base that loves it for that reason, but you'd have people coming and indulging in whatever it was just to hate it, to be opposed to it, to try and stop it. Hey, what's up? This is Neil. Welcome to Nails on a Chalkboard. Let's get started. Ah, oh, man, that reminds me. Screech from Saved by the Bell has stage 4 cancer. And now I'm tearing up just thinking about it. I need to grab a Kleenex, excuse me. Oh, we don't have any Kleenex. See, this is why I have trust issues. When I need a tissue that I can trust, I trust, trust, tissues. That almost sounds like trust issues which is what people seem to have a lot of these days. People don't trust other people. People don't trust things that aren't people, like the air and science. A lot of them can't even trust trust anymore, which makes it no surprise that they don't trust the police or the government or the president. I know we're replacing the most enormous piece of shit with one of the oldest people we could. I know he looks like a sculpture made from broomsticks and bleached chicken skin. I know his forehead gets bigger and his eyebrows get lower every time I see him. I know my car's extended warranty is about to expire. But I did it again, guys. I went and figured it all out for you. Like I did with trans people. Which I figured that out again. Trans people are just like dog whistles. But for the issue at hand, if we really want a good president and in turn better politicians, better government, and everything that comes from that, 
we have to take our best and brightest philosophers, and we have to make them fist fight, bare knuckle. You can't have some frill fancy boy philosopher in there just thinking all the goddamn time. He's got to be able to throw punches literally like he's going to be doing fucking metaphorically and metaphivically. We get a really good one. He may even take it to metasixily. Settle down, Italy. You don't have to tell your grandma. Don't be like the Jews. But for real, after this episode, the next time you hear this voice, we're gonna have a new situation. Hopefully old Broombone's chicken skin forehead eyebrows is in office. Hopefully without any of them Wednesday-type shenanigans. We can have Neil's Nails on a chalkboard come on the show to play your going to heaven, or maybe you will be on the show and enjoy some sourdough with me. There's so much going on right now, it's hard to narrow it down to just one thing to focus in on and try to fix. To apophenia, or Bader-Mandwar phenomenon, or the Jews. But a big part of a lot of the problems is trust. Our trust is shot, and what's left is devalued. But trust is like herpes. Almost one in four people have it, and although you can get it from other people, and it can spread, you have to have it yourself to be able to give it to someone else. It's like the vaccine. I helped some guy under a bridge give himself the vaccine, and I got my first dose for free. Apparently they get a lot down there because there were needles everywhere. But you have to have trust to exist or do anything. You have to if you want to drive or go to the doctor. My doctor still doesn't trust me, and now I'm invisible. But I wanted to be safe, make sure I was in good shape. I got a woke test. And I'm gonna get a racism vaccine just in case, even though I have white privilege antibodies. I'm also looking to get a secretary that cries all the time so I can call her a secretary and have even more trust issues. Seriously, though, if you are wondering about the apophenia, I learned about that word and what it means from this article written by a programmer about QAnon. I really wanted to not know about them, and I'd done such a good job of not knowing about them, but I kept seeing this going around on Twitter, so I finally gave in and clicked on it and read through it, and it was actually a really good article that brought to light a lot of things that I'd been observing and I hadn't put into good words yet. Like censure, which is a good word that I also learned this week that I strongly approve of. Apophenia is similar to and reminded me of the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, which I've been thinking a lot about this week as well. And that's when your awareness of something increases. This leads you to believe it's actually happening more, even if that's not the case. So like, what man? Are you saying that we're just, like, making everything up? No, I'm just saying that once you get something in your head, once you're fixated on focused on something so much more that you start seeing it a lot more and it's a lot easier to draw connections to it. Maybe trust. Maybe if we start trusting trust and trusting ourselves to trust trust, we may be able to 
trust others or at least identify it better when we encounter it in other people and other things. Believe it or not, I trust a lot. Like Carl Sagan and what he had to say on Who Speaks for the Earth. We are one planet. And I hope that if Eminem should ever listen to this episode that he trusts that I wasn't intending to make fun of him or his song or movie. I love all of it. It was inspirational for me. Sometimes we go through some shit and say some shit. And that's a good place to end this one. Unless you want to hear one more poem of a moment like that. Another mysterious misstep, another mass of unspoken multitude, belief in the golden rule only to find, only plated, lacking value. Played, but not all, just unseen. When unaware eyes don't see in the face reality, buried in subtlety, hidden by carefully constructed consideration, waiting for moments, waiting for momentum, waiting for mutual, no more, no mutual, no momentum, no moment. Looking carefully at steps, taken and not, dreamed and unseen, distorted by dream, dream away, dream away, dream and wait, dream don't wait, dream wait, dream wait, dream away. It's hard to walk backwards in dreams, to retrace your own mentality and all the times you didn't jump, because you walk the edge so carefully as you carelessly cascade down your own hole, no rabbit, no date, no queen, just alone. Alone again, like you always were, despite the brief vacation, you were always aware, you were always alone, you didn't see, you thought, you didn't speak, you listened and thought. You didn't move, you thought, you didn't know, you thought, you didn't have, you thought, you dreamed, you tried to touch, you remained unseen, you remained restrained, you remain your remnants wondering, once again, what's wrong? Where's the middle ground? Where's the connection? Why do they only connect internally? Why are they just frayed rope, cast out, not received, left dangling, trotted on till dirty? Dissected as the mental surgery, being performed internally, just wanting an answer, just wanting to understand, just wanting a hand, without asking, without expecting, without imaging, without contemplating, without anything other than love. Just love. Just love. Just love the way you've always dreamed, the way you've always felt. Just love. Shooting arrows in every direction, walking the same path a hundred times. Tying ropes to arrows, reaching out empty, grasping nothing, gasping nothing, and still stuck thinking, still stuck feeling, still stuck wanting. The more you understand, the greater the mystery, the more you value, the less things seem to mean. How can you get any closer when you're just hanging on? How can you live when all you can do is dream? Is there really balance? Or is it just that we're able to turn our heads? This life is too long. The moment's too short. Even creation. Even creation. Even creation. <laughs>